The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. There's always another sell-off, right? So on a tepid day where nothing much really happened, Dow sliding 10 points, S&P declining 0.11%, NASDAQ gaining 0.14%, let me tell you how to profit from the next sell-off. You need to remember what got plastered the last time around and then bounced right back because that's what we're looking for on mad money. No dross. Let's get right to it. Let's start with Chipotle. Last week, the stock got crushed by people who didn't like the quarter. I told you they were wrong. Why? Because those people knew nothing. Right before the big game this weekend, I picked Chipotle as our kicker in our NFL championship portfolio. I wanted people to see that this company's capable of kicking a 62-yard vehicle. Well, that was dumb as plywood. Stupid metaphor. I should have said that Chipotle's a tight end like Gronk, a player who can block and catch and score at will. This stock had just dropped from 1,523 to 1,479 off that quarter, even though they had 11% same-store sales in January. This is unbelievable. I really don't care about November December. I cared about the most recent month because that's how you're supposed to think. I was taught that way. I flagged that action in the stock and I said, this is wrong. Okay, this is wrong. So if you just bought the darn thing, you do very well. Sure enough, today, Chipotle hit a new all time high. Don't sell it right now. The company is just banging it out with delivery and all sorts of new ways to handle takeout. They're doing these incredible numbers against pre-COVID comparisons when the stores were packed. Going forward over the year, well, and think about it, year over year, it's not going to get much easier. Why? Well, because you're able to sit down and get your cilantro lime roasted cauliflower, which is unbelievably good. I started pounding the table in Chipotle roughly 1,000 points ago because they finally reached the 18th mark, month mark after that last health scare. And my research shows that the public tends to forget after 18 months. Since then, you've had a spectacular win. They barely skipped a beat when the pandemic hit. How could the market be so wrong? Give me a break. The market's insanely wrong every day. GameStop at 300. There are kinds of reasons that stocks get mispriced all the time. Most common, people get scared when they see something go down. So they figure there's got to be a reason. 
They think it's rational. That's true. But sometimes, like in the case of Chipotle, it's a bad reason. People were looking at the older numbers, not the newer ones. I'm betting it's got more room to run because this is telling you. Why don't we try another one? Let's go to Constellation Brands. Not long, that long ago, we spoke to Bill Newland's Constellation Brands. Big Brewer, U.S. Rights to Corona, Modelo, only real growth in the beer industry. It's also some great wines and spirits. I thought they shot the lights out when they reported. I was cheering. Everyone's stuck at home. No bars are open. Yet, they just pulverized what I thought they could do, putting up just borderline impossible numbers. I was like, yes, we have them on tonight. We booked them, Regina Gilby, my executive producer, because we do a lot of stuff back and forth about booking. Now, I own a mothball small plate Mexican tavern in Brooklyn. Yeah. It said, no, I'm going to open it. I was so concerned that the new Modelo they just launched would be hurt. Because who has it, right? You can't get it at a bar. You can't get it at a restaurant. Instead, the closures actually helped them. I'm not kidding. Constellation might have actually made less money with the bars, bars open because they're making a fortune selling beer to people who are stuck at home with nothing better to do. Even better, Pacifico, that great long net, my favorite brand. That's ah, a good beer. Uh, it's doing incredibly well. But you know what? They can't produce enough Modelo because the demand is off the charts. You know what? All that stuff is a sideshow compared to the two biggest composers. Constellation's new hard seltzer, uh, maybe the biggest home run we've seen in years. And Bill Newlands, the CEO, told us to get ready for a cannabis explosion now that the Democrats are running the show in Washington. Remember, these guys own a big chunk of cannabis growth. Uh, they're the best one. And they can acquire the whole thing once the pot gets legalized. I've known Bill forever. I even put on a cannabis seminar. I had him as a keynote speaker. The last time we had him on the show, he was more bullish about marijuana than I've ever seen him. The drinks, he says, are amazing. I found myself about, oh, I thought, geez, I'll let open a cannabis bar once the world goes back to normal. Well, what happened? Well, the dream was shattered immediately. Both stocks got hammered. I mean, really? Constellation belly flopped from 230 to 210 over the course of a few weeks. Canopy fell from 30 to 29. Not a big deal. But the market was just dumb. It was dumb as a bag of hammers wrong. Today, Constellation to 233. Okay? Look at this. We have them one. I love the quarter. Stock gets crushed. Okay? And now we're talking up on the same set of numbers. It goes there. He comes on and says, listen, marijuana, pot, whatever, cannabis is going to get approved right here. No one listens. And then look at this. This is going to take out its all-time high at 240. Canopy surged from 29 to 49. Bill Newlands came on. He gave you a twofer. But you had to listen. You had to know that he was right and the market was wrong. Third example. Last year, I met David Simon at the Super Bowl in Miami. That's David Simon, the amazing mall operator, not David Simon, the guy who made the wire. I love the wire. When his stock, Simon Property Group, got annihilated by COVID, I reminded people that this man has generated $33 billion in dividends and told you that I had faith in him as the survivor, the one, the one who would get through COVID, other malls dropping like flies. Well, today Simon reported, and it was remarkable, his malls are doing incredibly well because they are in all the best locations, something you could have seen coming because he practically shouted out on this conference call. With, with everybody getting vaccinated, Simon may be among the top stories out there for the reopening because you know what? People are shopping. They're shopping if the place is nice enough and the competition, jeez, it's been wiped out. Get this. On top of no one even knows this. On top of the Simon recently bought JCPenney out of bankruptcy. You know that the company's already turning around? JCPenney. His plan could generate a ton of earnings before interest, taxes, depreciated, and amortization. They wouldn't worry too much about taxes. Lots of people think, go Google JCPenney. You'll see. Everyone says it's dead. It's not even open. I mean, it's now owned by the landlord. And I see some terrific possibilities. Watch for Penny to come back. Plus, if some of the stores end up getting closed, they just bring in a new tenant who pays an even more expensive lease. Even after this move, 
even if it's an incredible move, I would be a buyer because the stock's the cheapest it's been relative to its performance since 2008. With these examples in mind, you're probably saying, okay, thanks for nothing, Kramer. Give me something you can make home right now. I do. I have it. Okay, the next one's really mispriced. And the next one, it's Federal Realty, FRT. Reports Thursday. This is another real estate investment trust, just like Simon, uh, who has the best malls. This is shopping centers. Don Wood. There are different things, shopping centers and malls. Don Wood is the CEO of Federal Realty. Now, in this COVID, uh, in, in, in this terrible epidemic, he has reinvented these stores to have them touchless transactions. He's turned mixed-use apartments, retail, and office buildings into a science. Remember, people are moving from the cities. They're going to these properties. Same thing with the businesses. Restaurants are coming out of hibernation. On the last conference call, Don gave this impassioned plea, explaining why he didn't slash the distribution, because he didn't need to. The analysts were harsh, even unforgiving, like this man did not know what he was talking about, as if this man was just some sort of hopeless optimist swimming against a riptide, waving his arm at the lifeguard saying, hey, I'm not in trouble. Man drowns, saving dividend. But as more people get vaccinated, I think Federal really will be in the running for what to do once it's safe to shop again. Look at the numbers. His tenants are doing every bit as well as Simon's. The best part? This is another last man standing. I don't even know about any other shopping center. I mean, they're all, they've all been pulverized. Still, people don't seem to get it. But that's where the opportunity comes in. I say buy some before the quarter, buy some after when the no-brainers and the brainers coalesce and say it wasn't that good. They're wrong. I'm right. Hubris. Guilty. Here's the bottom line. The market is often wrong, especially during earnings season. You, ta- you, de- you need memory to take advantage of these temporary multi-day declines that I've just shown you. We have a guest tonight with a stock that's been blown to smithereens off a great quarter. Strauss is out of take two. Last time he was on, the stock had dropped from 175 to 154. By last night, it rebounded to 213. Now let's pull back to 200 again. You know what? You're getting another shot. Take it. Eunice in Pennsylvania. Eunice. Hello, Jim. Uh, my name is Eunice, and I'm from Pennsylvania. And um, I had a question about uh, Ryan Aid. Um, <clears throat> I know, like now, they're going to a new direction in the pharmacy space, and uh, alongside with the rebranding. And uh, and lately, they just opened a drive drive through uh, uh, COVID test inside. Right. But it seems like uh, you know, I don't know if I should hold or sell the stock. Well, look, I've got to tell you, I don't really care for the drugstore business. And we own CVS for, account, for our, my charitable trust. And holy cow, it's just been a nightmare. Ever since Amazon said they want to be in, even though CVS is involved, as is Rite Aid, in the great uh, vaccination program. So I'm going to say you got a good stop, but not a great one, because it's not what's winning in this market. Although this one has had a nice bounce back because it is, are you ready? Ski Daddy, Reddit, Wall Street bets, a gigantic short position. And that's what everybody's going for. I need to go right now to Al in one of my three home states, New Jersey. Al. Hi, Jim. Hope you're feeling well. Jim, I'd like your recommendation on Royal Dutch Shell. That's R-D-S-A. Oh, come on. I know Royal Dutch. I used to make a market at Goldman Sachs. Here's the problem with Royal Dutch. They spent a fortune buying stuff at the top. They said the dividend's safe. They said this. They said that. And I love Ben Van Buren. He can come on anytime he wants. But I don't want you to buy his stock because I don't think it'll make you money. And a lot of times when we buy stocks, what are we after? They know nothing. Rick in Connecticut, Rick. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. What else am I going to do? As you know, the video game company, Electronic 
Arts, also known as EA Sports, announced yesterday that they have acquired GLU Mobile in a $2.4 billion all-cash deal. Jim, do you think that it would be worth buying and holding either Electronic Arts or GLU Mobile at this time? Thank you, Jim. Absolutely not. I am predicting that that will look like it will end up being one of the worst mergers we've seen. I think that they're going to have to take a big write-off. I think it smacked the desperation because people didn't like their quarter. I think they dramatically overpaid. Other than that, it seems super. Right, guys, there's always going to be another sell-off. You need to remember what, gets, what got plastered last time and then bounced right back so that you're ready for the next opportunity. Oh, man, tonight, this may be, this may be our 3,000 show. I'm hitting the books with the CEO of Chegg after earnings. Their shares are only up 130% for the past year. We like it at three. It's not like over 100. It could remote learning amid the pandemic continue to push the company to new heights. And shares that take two, like I just mentioned, are ridiculously falling after earnings. But is the market just playing games? I'm talking to Strauss, the CEO. And an under-the-radar fintech player that sees the pandemic as a tailwind has been one of the biggest winners of the season. Don't miss my sit-down with Bill.com. No, it's not a guy's name. It's the stuff you pay. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. In the pandemic, we don't want companies that got a temporary boost from COVID. We want companies that experienced a permanent transformation. Companies like Chegg, the on-demand interconnected learning platform that's been able to grow like crazy over the past year. 74% subscribers, all-time high, year-over-year. Years ago, Chegg was a textbook rental service, but they've been steadily growing their software as a service platform, which helps you do your homework, pick colleges, pick classes, and get scholarships, and don't cheat, they'll find you. So when the virus massively disrupted our education system, pushing nearly everything online, Chegg was ready. Stocks been flying since April. 
Now, uh, last night, these guys reported yet another strong very quarter. I mean, people are getting bored by it. Terrific top and bottom line beat, strong guidance. Most importantly, Chegg has grown its subscriber count fully. Remember, not just the one that I went over here, 67 percent to 6.6 million students. And they're about to make a major push into reskilling, something we must talk about. And they've really broken out in international. The only problem, the stock popped 5% this morning, but because Chegg had already run so much, it gave up some of those gains thanks to about a profit take. I think it's got room to run, maybe much. But don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with the man who we first saw when the stock was at $3. Dan Rosenzweig, the co-chairman, chairperson, and CEO of Chegg. get a better sense of the quarter and what's next for his business. Dan, welcome back to Mad Money. And booyah, Mr. Kramer, and I hope you're feeling better and... Um and uh, it's great to be here. And I was just reminiscing that it was five years ago this month where you gave me the best investment advice, which is you, on air. You told me I need to buy my stock. And I did. And I've held it. And it's gone up one hundred dollars since then. So thank you, sir. No, well, I had great conviction in what you were doing because you have convinced me you're a man of your word ever you've ever been. But now we're going to solve some problems you had at the end of your conference call a staggering number. 43% of those that go to college don't get a degree. If Chegg were part of that, of those 43, don't you think we could cut that number down dramatically? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we have numbers to prove it. And we work with uh, certain institutions that show if a student gets the chance to use Chegg, that they're more likely to finish the class, graduate, and uh, actually be more employable. So absolutely. And it's, and it's, you know, one of the things that we've been focused on so much is we've never raised our prices. Ten years, we didn't raise our prices because we want to be the highest quality, affordable, scalable, and uh, and give every student the opportunity to use it. And we're we're getting there. We keep working up. But Czech students tend to graduate better. Absolutely. One of the things I was shocked about, this is not an American company, Dan. I thought it was an American company. The growth, amazingly, is international. Yeah, we're actually very fortunate. We are a global company and we're growing extraordinarily fast in the United States. But you're right about international. I mean, two years ago, we started to talk about that it was an objective. And we announced on this call that by uh, over the course of this year, we're going to crest over a million subscribers outside the United States across 190 different countries. So what we do is something that every student around the world clearly needs. And um, and we're proud of what we do. And it's exciting to see this level of growth. When your stock was at three, do- three bucks, we came here and we, you talked about the reason why I believed was you said the transition to online learning is inevitable. Uh, yes, it's just I guess you didn't, as you say, expect that a catalyst would come along that was so monumental. Absolutely right. Look, I, I predicted we would be out of print textbooks six years ago, so right. I was wrong. My timing is never right. But just think about it. Imagine a world where 50% of the world's population is below the age of 30. So we know technology is what they've grown up with. And we all know they're going to need to learn more, more often, more things. They're going to need to be self-supporting because institutions, governments, educations, their budgets are going down, their willingness to support is going down. And so this is the wave of the future. It's been here. One of the most interesting statistics is, is college admissions were sort of flat last year and a little bit down, particularly in community colleges where people who had to work in order to pay for their college lost their job and lost that ability to get education. But at the same time, the online universities grew 30%. This is the wave of the future and either institutions understand it, invest in it, and reevaluate what they teach, how they teach it, and how they monitor students and how they assess them, or they're going to lose completely. Uh, I have a whole segment tonight uh, that you'll see that is about something that you talked about, which is the reskilling. 
We basically have the people not in the right jobs. Now, the governments are trying to figure out they send some people go to solar or another president says they ought to go to the oil fields. You actually are saying they ought to go to school and learn new things and you can help them. I think you may be on to something that no one else is. I want people to have I want you to have the floor to explain it. Yeah, no, look, I, let's just go through the numbers you mentioned earlier, Jim. I think you're absolutely correct, which is 75 percent of college age students actually end up with no degree. Fifty percent don't go. And 43 percent, as you pointed out earlier, don't get a degree. We're living in a, in a technology enabled economy like it. Don't like it. It doesn't matter. This is what it is. And so people are going to have to learn more, reskill more re-educate more, and they're going to end up paying for it mostly themselves. So it needs to be incredibly affordable, very relevant. It needs to be able to unstick you when you are confused. So we're seeing our skills business. Um, imagine a world where Amazon announces they're going to, what, teach 25 million people how to get people onto the cloud. We know where the world is going. We want to accelerate learning to earn it. We want those people who can't afford to take on debt or don't want to take on debt or can't take four years or six years off from their life to be able to be employable in five to six months without taking on extraordinary debt and be able to get into the tech enabled economy. And Chegg plans to be a significant player in that space. And that space is global and much bigger than the space we're in today. And the space we're in today is enormous. What you're doing is, is nothing short of incredible because it answers the thing that's the most important. And it's very funny you say it. A lot of it is STEM. And as you said, STEM is STEM. People don't know. The new world is the science side. It's not necessarily the liberal arts side. And since you have 50 million Q&A in the archives, I bet you any one of us could learn how to code and learn anything about this new economy. Absolutely. Look, what we've done with the acquisition of Thinkful is we lowered the prices, we expanded the curriculum, we built in 24-7 support. So we actually have live educators inside teaching you. So if you get stuck, we can help you right there. We graduate 85% of them, and we actually do. Um, we actually help students who can't afford to pay not have to pay until after they get a job. So we're taking the risk. No institution is doing that. If we want people to get an education, we need to be able to give them an, a return on investment on their time and on their money. And that's what Chegg is trying to do and others. That's the wave of the future. We all need to be in this together, and we need to be relevant, affordable, scalable, sustainable, and make people employable. And we're super excited about that opportunity. Well, you were six years ahead last time. I think you're maybe a decade ahead this time. And that's why I think this, the second act of Chegg is the move to $200. Dan Rosenzweig, CEO of Chegg. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Kramer. It's great to be here. Really appreciate it. I'm asking everyone to read the conference call. You will feel so hopeful about the future. And it's hard to find that kind of hope. Man, money's back in the how is one gaming company leveling up and taking control of the space after revving their engine in the most recent quarter? The top brass of stay-at-home winner, Take-Two Interactive, joins Kramer for an exclusive one-on-one next. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget.
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why the heck are people selling Take-Two Interactive after the video game company reported its third consecutive, I mean, I don't even know, how about this, quarter? Last night, the company behind Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, along with a host of other franchises, including an incredible NBA franchise, delivered a terrific top and bottom. I beat them. It's holiday quarter. It's actually the best of the holiday quarters I've seen. Management substantially raising their forecast for 2021 fiscal year. When I saw it, I thought it was next year's number. This was supposed to be a transition year for Take-Two, with no major titles coming out. But thanks to the pandemic forcing people to stay at home, they've been able to make a killing, and I think that's going to be lasting. Still, the quarter wasn't enough to get investors excited, in part because the stock had already run up dramatically over the past few months when we had Strauss Delnick, the CEO, on last, and in part because people are worried about what happens to the industry once we beat COVID, although there's some pretty good answers in the, in the uh, conference call about that. I think they're underestimating management and its ability to generate all-time hits as they have time and time again. And I'm going to break form tonight. I'm going to bring Strauss Selnick, the chairman and CEO of Take-Two Interact, and we're going to have a more existential question and discussion than we usually do. Mr. Zelnick, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me. Great to see you, Jim. All right, Strauss, you're a major movie producer. You have been in this business all your life. Is it really necessary when you have the greatest single entertainment platform ever that you should scrap it and buy some second-rate company in order to please Wall Street? (laughs) Well, look, um, most corporate M&A fails. You know, it fails in the conception, it fails in the valuation, or it fails in the execution. So we've been incredibly disciplined, and we've done a limited number of acquisitions over the years, and thankfully they've all penciled out. So uh, I think discipline, there's no short, you know, you can never have too much discipline, and you can never focus too much on your strategy. Second question, if you have the greatest movies of all time and you can do tweaking and the tweaking is major. So each time the narrative really changes. Is it necessary to say, you know what, I don't have anything else other than the best single franchise ever? (laughs) Well, look, we're we're grateful for the incredible work that Rockstar Games has done with Grand Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto Online. It's absolutely amazing that Grand Theft Auto has sold more units in calendar 2020 than it did in any year since its original release in 2013. It's just extraordinary. 140 million units so far, and it's still selling. That said, we do have a lot of other franchises. In fact, we have 11 franchises that have each sold at least 5 million units with an individual release, and 67 franchises that have had at least one 2 million unit release. Um, not, I don't think any other company can say that. And we're trying to create more. We have 93 titles coming to market in the next five years, and we hope there'll be many hits among them. So what we would like to do is have the best of both worlds. 
the biggest entertainment property ever created and a lot of other hits. That's the case now. That has been the case for many years at our company. It's our job to create that going forward. Post-pandemic, are people who started gaming going to go back and watch, say, I don't know, linear TV? Or do you think they've tasted greatness and recognize I have found something new, like when people discovered Netflix? I'm not going to go back. I think you can say both will happen. The, the linear television is great these days, and a lot of viewing has shifted there. They benefited greatly during the pandemic as well. We don't need to eat everyone's lunch to be successful. However, there has been a systemic shift in favor of interactive entertainment, which remains the most rapidly growing part of the audiovisual entertainment business. I think that'll continue. And I do think we've attracted new players and reactivated previously existing players. And I do think that'll continue post-pandemic. There's another company, not as good as yours, bought a second-rate company today. Everyone cheered because they want bad M&A to buy the Kardashians. God love them. Uh, and they do a thing every year. It's a football thing, okay? And every year people get excited about the cover. But it's not built from the ground up. It's not next-gen. You have an NBA franchise, second to none. It's built from the ground up. But people want the 93 titles and the Mysterious. That is an actual title of a Wedbush piece. It, it actually likes you. Ground up doesn't happen with the other guys. Eventually, everyone will make uh, new titles from the ground up for next gen. I, you know, I'm really proud of what Visual Concepts in 2K did with NBA 2K21. It's amazing. It's already sold in over 8 million units. Uh, recurrent consumer spending is way up year over year, uh, 67%, in fact. So the story is amazing. And the story is amazing because they keep bringing, you know, great quality. This year's big innovation is the city where you can really occupy this area and have fun with your friends and listen to music and and engage with the culture of basketball in addition to participating in, in the best basketball simulation game made. And we think the best sports game made. It is, after all, the biggest sports title in North America. It's bigger than football in North America. They like it in China? They love it in China. We have 51 million registered users for NBA 2K Online 2 in China. Uh, it's the number one PC sports title in China. So, yes, and it's a significant contributor to our results now. Mobile? You decided to go into mobile? Mobile is a big part of our business. We, we, we acquired Social Point years ago. That's been a stellar success. And we recently acquired PlayDots, uh, which is merging into Social Point. It's run by Nira Frat from PlayDots. We have a great team and we have big hits with Monster Legends, Dragon City, Word Life, uh, uh, Tasty Town, World Chef, and of course, Two Dots from Play Dots and more to come. We feel great about it. The reason why I went existential, a little more philosophic than I usually am, is because you were on last time. The stock was at 175. I said, this is an unbelievable quarter and it immediately dropped to 153. So and then, of course, went to 214. So I have been searching my brain about how this can happen. I've decided that people are so bored with your darn success, they don't like it. <laughs> well, look, you know, we, we never argue with the market. We seem to trade on our fundamentals. We're you know, we're we're pretty tough on ourselves. We always think that whatever sex we, success we have today, we got to create again tomorrow. And that's our job. And you do it really well. This was an amazing quarter. You deserve the premium that you have to everybody else because you're better than everyone else. Strauss Zelbeck, chairman and CEO of Take-Two Interactive on an amazing quarter. Great to see you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks so much. Guys, you're getting a chance. What can I say? I mean, you shouldn't even be allowed this chance. It's not even fair. Mad Money's back here to the Coming up, do skills pay the bills? Small businesses are under siege. But this B2B payments player is up big since the pandemic. 
Kramer's got the CEO next. In the last few weeks, the cloud-based software stocks have quietly started roaring back again after spending a couple of months marking time, which is, I told you, the way they do things. But some of these moves are louder than others. Consider the case of Build.com. We've had them on, which helps small, medium-sized business automate complex back-office financial operations. It's yet another terrific digitizer. This stock turns 32% on Friday in response to a spectacular quarter. And when I say spectacular, I mean spectacular. Not only did Bill.com give you a nice top and bottom line beat, they also gave you much better than expected guidance for the current quarter. Now, I know it's a rich stock. It sells for a $14 billion market cap. It's selling for uh, next year 54 times sales. So we have a lot of work here to be able to convince you that this is an interesting stock. But you're probably wondering, has it run too much? In the last couple of days, the stock has cooled off. I'm wondering if this pullback is a buying opportunity. So let's check in with Rene Lassert. He's the founder and CEO of Bill.com. He had a clearer picture of the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Lassert, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, thank you, Jim. Always great to be here. Okay, so let's cut to the chase here, Renee. With many small businesses going out of business, how were you able to do a quarter that was one of the fastest growing, greatest quarters I've seen since since this year began? You know, it, it really comes back to what we've been building for many years. And, you know, at the core of why I started the company is that I believe SMBs deserve innovation. And that innovation that we focus on that I really believe is missing out there is around the digital processes that are lacking. So we digitize the back office and then we connect that back office to the banking system so money can move, to the accounting system so records can be reported, to the accounting firms that they're involved. And all of that connection creates a connective tissue that operates and automates the financial operations. And because of that, it's driving demand, it's driving opportunity, and it's driving growth across our existing customers as well as the new customers coming in. And that's how we do it. That's how we bring the back office into the back pocket. Well, I think if people don't own a small business, they don't realize how many vendors have to be paid. If you don't pay them in time, you're going to go out of business. I don't think that people realize how the tax man's looking at these things. I don't think people realize that, not, that they have to find time to actually do this rather than the business. I'm convinced that your success has to do with the fact that you allow people to run their business and not worry about this stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's why, again, that's why I started the company. Like this is, nobody gets in the business other than me to actually do the back office. I mean, I grew up in small businesses. My parents had small businesses. My grandparents had small businesses. A lot of our friends had small businesses. And it was always, this was the bane of the existence. This is what people had to do at Friday night. Like who wants to do this on a Friday night? You know, that's what people are doing when they're trying to run their business from, you know, their back pocket and they don't have the tools. They have to do it at night at home. And we take care of that. We automate the processes. And that's what's driving the demand. It's the opportunity. And we've seen it in part with the pandemic, showing that there's a need for being digital, right? This opportunity to be able to run your business from anywhere, it's a requirement now. So the pandemic, you know, reinvention, it's real and something that we think is going to stick around. I have someone uh, who's terrific, who is my CEO, basically, of my life, besides my wife. And she uh, pays my bills. I've always felt, why doesn't someone offer service with a bank where they pay your bills so I don't have to look at them? Wells Fargo and you. Yeah, exactly. So we, in the beginning, when I started the company, I realized that for me to reach the SMBs out there, it's a massive market, right? There's 6 million businesses out there. We have 109,000 companies on the platform today. There's a lot of businesses to go get. Well, when I started this in 2006, I realized that to reach SMBs, I was going to have to partner up with the people that SMBs trust the most. 
So they trust their accounting firm. So we have 5,000 right. accounting firms across the country, 80 of the top 100, and they trust their financial institutions. So we have the top three. We have J.P. Morgan Chase. We have Bank of America. We have Wells Fargo. We have a number of others. And that opportunity is to kind of say, we can digitize that back office mess. We can make it really simple for you to actually help your customers. And then the bank actually gets a sticky relationship with their customer. And it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. So across the board, that trust factor matters and something that we focused on from day one to make sure our customers could trust us and trust the partners that we work with. Trust is everything. And Mark Benioff has taught us that over and over again. I consider you the PayPal of the back office. You partner with everyone. You're not the enemy of anyone. You're Switzerland. And frankly, the way the businesses go out of business is because they screw up on their bill paying. So I can't imagine, even with the new online businesses, I bet you they need Bill.com. Oh, they totally do. I mean, it, and it's that it's everything that's in in the business lifecycle of a payment. It's all possible now to be digitized and on your phone. And that makes a more informed decision. What I love hearing about, I was happened, I was in a local retail store recently and, you know, had my mask on. They had their mask on and we were talking and I got to, you know, they were going to invoice me something. And they talked about, hey, like they were a Bill.com customer. They didn't know I was the CEO and founder, but they talked about how it freed them up to do everything be able to go focus on their passion. And that's what is, I think, something that, you know, anything, anytime I can let people get back to their passion, then I feel like we've achieved our mission. I also believe that when we open, you're one of the principal beneficiaries. There's going to be a lot of new companies that come in. They don't know how to do this stuff. But instead of doing it the old way, the kitchen table night, they may have heard of Build.com and you get them from day one. Yeah, I think so. I think that we're going to continue to see this digital transformation that everybody has realized is here to stay. And it's something that I think if we just take restaurants and, and bars and retail shops, people are learning how to do stuff with takeout now that they haven't done before. And that's going to be part of the existence. I won't always feel like I have to go out to dinner. I'll also bring it in now. And so I think that that digital transformation for businesses, managing that back office with everything at your fingertips, being able to make your payments, make international payments, you know, make the real-time payments for your suppliers so they can actually manage their live cash flow as they need that's here to stay, and it's going to make a big difference uh, when we come out of pandemic. You know, I wish that everyone could see there's a particular chart that you have. It's in the like, third page of your deck, which is the, the current route for approval. And it is like this. I don't think people who have a small business don't realize that it's like a, it's, it looks like a kind of a Rothko. I mean, there's just numbers yeah. everywhere, and people have to go back and forth and back and forth, and it ends up in a shoebox. That's what we put ours, shoebox. Yeah, and that's exactly when I was running my first business, I often felt like I would walk around the office looking to talk to people and they wouldn't be at their desk because they were out executing the business. They were doing what they needed to do. And yet it was might as well have just been me taking the bill and making a paper airplane and throwing it out to them and hoping it gets comes back to me. And so that that proverbial shoebox, it is real. Businesses have it. And we take care of that mess and just make it simple to digitize. And and this is part of the resilience that we see from SMBs, right? We, we did a survey uh, out to 1,000 SMBs across the country and, and asked them, you know, what do you focus on? Where are you going to put your energy? 75% of the businesses that we talked to said it was going to go to revenue generation. That's where they wanted to focus. It wasn't on government assistance or cost cutting. It was all about figuring out how do I take that optimism that I bring into the world every day and how do I keep extending it? And that's what I love. It really, it's what I love about SMBs. Like, they're optimistic souls that really want to make the world a better place. And I just want to help them because I want them to get back to their passions. I think you're the real deal, man. 
I really do. Thank and you, people, small business business should listen to this because that's how you go out of business is not paying the bills right. Government finds out about it, too. Believe me. That's Bill.com CEO and founder, Renee LaSir. Congratulations on maybe one of the most amazing quarters we've seen. Thank you, sir. Yep. Man Money's back in the break. Coming up. It is time. Kramer takes your calls. Rapid fire. The lightning round is next. It is time. It is time for the lightning round. Thanks so much, my brother. Of course, one of us here is Sachin And the lightning rounds are. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Thanks so much. I'm going to start with Quinn and Quinn in Idaho. Quinn. Booyah, Jimmy Kill. Yo, yo. Raiders versus Eagles. Next year's Super Bowl. Okay, sounds good to me. I'll see you. I'll be there. What's going on? My stock just entered an agreement to buy sign requests. It does business with about 69% of the Fortune 500 companies. Buy, seller, hold, Box Incorporated, Box. I don't understand. Aaron Levy is so good. This stock cannot get out of its way. I'm not giving up on Aaron Levy. I think he's a real deal. But at 18, you got to wait for the full next quarter, which is not going to be on March 2nd, before you see anything go on. So you're going to be cooling your heels. Let's go to Thomas in my home state of New Jersey. Thomas. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Yeah, I got this uh, Aerogel. It's an insulation company, and it tripled since I had it. Well, that's good because it's a housing play, and we have a polar vortex going on, sir. There will be more insulation bought this weekend at Home Depot than we've seen in ages. It's at a 52-week high, and it is not done because it happens to be very small. And we need situations like that to invest in. I need to go to Zach in Pennsylvania. Zach. Hey, Jim. Recently, Amazon purchased 700 alternative energy trucks from a joint venture between Cummins and Westport Fuel Systems. Westport stock jumped over 40% on the news. Cummins is still a little bit off its high. I remember you were recommending it before. Should I invest long-term in Cummins? Linnabar is good. I know you always believed in that natural gas engine. He's capable of building any engines people want. He's capable of building engines. It's going to be a huge China play. When I see that, I believe that this president is going to have a more cordial relationship. It means Cummins does more business. Columbus, it may be America's greatest manufacturer other than Caterpillar and Deer. Cummins is my choice for an industrial. I need to go to Justin in Texas. Justin. Booyah, Jim. Shout out to my brother Ryan and my future investing nieces, Sybil and Penny. As a member of the Action Alerts Plus, I want to say thank you for all you do to help us make those pending. Oh, you're terrific. I love teachers. (laughs) I love teachers. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for all you've done to promote masking, vaccinations, and public health. You bet. Touch you who you're calling from the hospital bed and ring the the bell in the Reddit crowd before they got hurt. Your actions speak volumes, and you are a national treasure. Thank you, man. Wow. I wish my mom were alive. She would love that. Thank you. Thank you. The stock I'm calling about is in a sweet spot and touches on e-commerce, empowerment, social media, fashion, luxury, and authenticated goods, and even a bit of ESG. With competitors like the Real Real and eBay hitting all-time highs, this stock is down over 30% from its IPO price last month. And I want to know, is now the time to get into Poshmark? You know, Poshmark, you know, I don't want to, you look, those are such kind words you said, but Poshmark, Poshmark, Poshmark is a very expensive stock. They have to deliver. I mean, there were a bunch of people who put out holds on it, not buys, because people think it's expensive. They want the stock to come down. I don't know. Look, we love Stitch Fix at 18 and 19 at 20, and then it went to 80. So I'm not going to give up on Poshmark, but it is more expensive than that other company. I really don't want to even mention the other company's name, Frank. 
Let's go to um, Sereno in California. Sereno. Hey, Kramer. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is about the stock ticker OCGN, Occugen. Man, you're rolling the dice with that one. I'm not kidding. That stock is up 589% for the year. And even though I happen to love Malvern, but it was too rich an area for my folks, uh, I do think that this is a company that is too expensive because they, you know, they think they can generate cartilage. That has been the holy grail. How much cartilage do I need in my knees enough to be able to make it so that's a billion-dollar stock, but I'm not going for it then. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. The pandemic has changed the U.S. economy in a lot of ways. But you probably haven't thought of this one. Kramer gives his take on where the jobs are going and what that means for your portfolio. Next. Kramer, you are super. You are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. All right, when you look at where the jobs are being destroyed and where they're being created... This economy is all about man versus machine, and the machines are winning. We've lost a ton of service sector jobs. These are industries where humans are hard to replace, but they're all on hold thanks to COVID. But the hiring? It's totally in technology or technology-related fields. STEM, especially labor-saving technology, which is another way of saying technology that puts other people out of work. Now, parts of our economy are reopening, and that means some traditional service jobs are coming back to life. When you hear about shopping mall kingpin David Simon talking about green shoots in Florida and Texas, with stats that show leasing has improved dramatically there, even if it's not quite back to 2019 levels, that is a good sign. The second-tier retailers have made tremendous comebacks. First-tier retailers, well, they never went away, nor did the first-tier malls, some of the best performers in the market. But the biggest winners over the past few days are the companies that enabled the technology of replacement the fast-growing businesses that can replace workers who can't show up. Thanks to artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation is no longer just a blue-collar problem. Yes, right now, they're coming for the white collars, too. This is no longer a press one to speak with menu economy. Customer relations management software now reigns supreme to the point where Teladoc, Zoom, and DocuSign are simply better than the hundreds of thousands of people who used to do those jobs. Hundreds of thousands. These days, businesses now view those humans as what we call friction. Why pay for human friction when software can do it better, faster, and cheaper? Don't get me wrong. Some of these technology empowers businesses to create new jobs. Look at all the small and medium-sized businesses direct to consumer outfits on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Etsy, all powered by Square, Wix, and, of course, Shopify. We're talking maybe millions of jobs created because of tech. But at the same time, a lot of these people only started selling stuff on Etsy because tech wiped out their day job. At the same time, we have this gigantic phalanx of new growth businesses devoted to alternative energy. They're thriving because we need to stop climate change. But that's zero-sum, too, because the whole point is to crush the fossil fuel industry before it destroys the environment. It's a peculiar pastiche, people. One day we'll be filled with hope about booming auto sales and the millions of people work in that industry. Then we remember the car dealerships are being disrupted by companies like Carvana that do their business online, let you pick up your vehicle from a gigantic used car vending machine. 
Another day, it'll be housing until we see the industries become techno-hungry, where we're getting to the point where nearly everyone in the real estate space is viewed as friction. Most important, COVID has ushered in the age of the hybrid workplace. Maybe you'll go back to the office a couple of days a week, but you'll work from home for the rest of the time, because why not? Turned out to be a huge spur for the economy, because building a home office is expensive. It's also why we've got a serious semiconductor shortage, because you're loaded with tech. It's in this environment, not the false dichotomy of value versus growth, that we currently play. Oil is value until it's a commodity. Vaccines are technology until they're up and running and destroying the stocks of non-COVID-related health care. Finally, you got the SPACs. These things are throwing money at, com- at companies that need all the newest cloud technology to run smoothly. Still one more reason for the bull market and the payment stocks, the back office helpers, the customer-centric tech, and the cloud onboarding place and relations management. These new companies may not love hiring people. But they need lots of machines and high-value software. The great thing about machines is that you can put them anywhere, cutting out the second largest source of friction, rent. If you look at this economy as a football game between tech and service, tech's offense is overrunning service's defensive line. The money that's left is being made by the skill players who bang behind the O-line and the new tech players overrunning the old service dogs, all of whom are on the run because you just can't beat the machines. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.